Thanks for listening to The Man in the Woods, where Annie and her brothers are out in the fields helping in Grenada, Mississippi, plow the field when her brother John has a seizure. Putting family and human lives first, she runs for help, saving her brother's life, and setting into motion a cascade of events that force her father to a narrow escape across the country line to save family. Annie shares stories of loyalty and duty that trump capitulation and weakness, a message for all of us any day. Let's now listen in as Annie tells us what happened. Okay, now I told you about the incident that happened with my uh, father and the white man's farm that we lived on in Grenada, Mississippi. Um, The reason this happened is because I have a brother that's about a year and a half older than I, and he has seizures. And he was out there in the field that day that my older brother was plying the field. And when he had a seizure, he fell to the ground. And when he fell to the ground, my oldest brother let go of the mules and went over to see about our brother. Mm-hmm. And the white man said, what are you doing? He said, my brother is sick. I got to see about him. He said, let the nigga die. And the white man was out with you in the field. He was out there in the field. And my brothers made me go home because I wasn't supposed to be out there and begin with. I ran home and my mother was getting ready to spank me for not listening to her not to go out there in the field. But I'm glad I went. You were helping on the... No, I just... Didn't want to be. I, I have three older brothers, and then I. So I wanted to be out there. I didn't want to be at home. I wanted to be outside. And when I went back home to let my mom know what was going on with my brother John that had seizures, she told me, You stay home now. If you leave this house again, you're going to get the switch. I know what the switch was, <laughs> and I didn't stay at home. But she ran and she got my father. And when my father came back, she knew it was going to be a confrontation between him, between my father, and the white man's farm we lived on. And my dad knew it was going to be trouble. So that's when he ran when I told you about he got my uncle, got our, his uncle, which would be my great uncle, is to take him from the county that we lived in over to where his mother-in-law lived, a different county. That mayor of that county did not like the mayor of the county that we lived in. And he knew once he crossed that line, he would be somewhat safe. Then that's when I told you, several days later, here come two white men dressed in black suits. Each one of them had on black suits. And they came in. And, you know, as they walking up the walkway, they was asking us, my dad's name is Earl. Where is Earl? Well, we always been taught when somebody asks you something about the family, you don't open your mouth. 
You don't say, I don't know. You don't say nothing. And that's what us kids did. We just kept right on playing. So he went into my grandmother's house, and he asked my mother, where is Earl? She said, I don't know. And black, back then, a black woman wouldn't give up a husband. She would die first. So they told her, if you don't tell us where he's at, we're going to put handcuffs on you, and we're going to take you to jail. They put handcuffs on her. And all us kids started crying. Bitterly, oh, we cried. And I remember my brother John, he, he just cried so hard. I, I'm surprised he didn't have another seizure then. But, and then one white man, one said to the other, I think if she knew where her husband was at, she would say something. She, she, don't, she wouldn't risk the chance of going to jail. And they took the handcuffs off of her. She never said a word. My grandmother never said a word. And I wonder for years, why didn't my grandmother get up and defend her daughter? But I learned if my grandmother had stood up and said anything, it wouldn't have been, it would have been way worse. They probably would have killed us all. A beat, a beat my grandmother and my mother and his children too. And to have grown up with that sense of injustice and knowing all the time that you cannot challenge. Can't challenge it, must even be if you write. It seemed that's what happened. Mm. My dad would challenge you, knowing his back against the wall, but he wasn't going to let you walk in there and just walk over his family. And another part I left out, after we left that house, that man came back, kicked our door in, but we was gone and had his gun grown. So at that time, my mom and dad had five kids, the three boys, me, and my baby sister. He would have killed the whole seven of us, my mom and dad and all of the children. He would, because he, he came in there ready to just shoot up. Hmm. And somebody seen this, and they called, they, no, they didn't call. Back then, we, we, we didn't have phones. But it was told to one of the family members, he came back, is to kill us. But we was gone. What a scary feeling. It's very scary. Yeah. And it, it was, ugh. And uh, it was terrible because Dad had um, got into it with another white man that used to, get in the woods like that, the, all them trees, woods, he would get in the woods and he would watch when my dad leave because my mother was a very attractive, very pretty black woman. And he would try to always get one of the kids' attention so he would have a reason is to try to get in the house where my mom. And my, did, my mother told my daddy about this and he said, Okay, my dad took his rifle, because my dad liked to hunt. 
and he left the house like he was going hunting. But what he did, when he circled around, he was in the back of the white man that was watching the house trying to get to my mother. And when that went down, everybody was after my dad. Well, the white guys was after my dad. Because the other white man that had did wrong by trying to get with my mother had told the other his other white friend, "Oh, this nigga is trying to kill me." But that wasn't the case. You was trying is to rape my mother. In the sense that you can't do much about it. It must be just. We, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been nothing done about it. She's just been raped like many others. Like my uh, dad was telling me when the uh, young black girl, uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, if the white man want to come into your house and take her and do whatever he want to with it and brought her back, even if she was crying or... Uh, whatever was running down her leg, too bad. And he did the same thing with your wife. If he want to come in there and take her out and go do whatever, when you, when she, when he bring her back, black man better not say a word. Don't even connect eye with him. Thanks for listening to Annie's story. Please listen to the other three parts of this series, because if we don't remember the past, we're condemned to repeat it. I look forward to your questions and comments and how you demonstrate leader-like behaviors. Also, go forth and interview your elders. You'd be surprised what we can learn. Be leader-like.